Creativity. It's often mentioned as one of the 21st century skills that we need our students to develop. Yet, what is it? What does it look like in the classroom? How can we model it as teachers? Today, we're going to talk with a creativity expert and squirrel hater about those very questions. And welcome to episode 20 of the Education for a Better World podcast. I'm Mike Soskal. And I'm Diane Smokorowski. Each week, we will bring you conversations with some of the most dynamic thought leaders in education. This week's episode is sponsored by GoToScience, a tool that allows our youngest learners the opportunity to learn by going on adventures without leaving their classroom. We know that education will be the driving force for a bright, optimistic future. On each show, We'll introduce you to innovative ideas, we'll stretch your thinking, and help you see ways to empower students to affect positive change in the world. We are thrilled that you are coming along with us on this journey. Let's dream big. Before we get started, I want to let you know that as of this recording date, there are still a few spaces available to join Diane and I on Teacher Adventure 2020 to Kenya next June. We will be visiting schools, meeting baby elephants, going on safari, collaborating with some of the best teachers in the world, and having lots of fun. To join us, visit bookbagtours.com, click on Trips, and choose Kenya. Jed Deeryberry is a 17-year veteran of education. He's won many state and national awards, including the Presidential Award for Excellence in Math and Science Teaching. He's currently a professional development leader in South Carolina, and he does keynotes and workshops for teachers all over the country. Hi, Jed. Welcome to the show. Hey, Mike. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Hey to Diane, too. Hey, Jed. It's awesome to have you. It's so good to be here with you guys. Uh, I love chatting with y'all. Just hearing your voice makes me feel excited, happy. Um, energized, ready to change the world, because that's what you guys are doing. You're out there changing the world, and talking to y'all makes me ready to do the same thing. Good. So, Jed, let's get started by asking, um, I know that you are somewhat of a creativity expert. So what does it mean for kids to be creative in school? Oh, wow. That's such a great question. Um, you know, when I was growing up, creativity always had this label attached to it that if you were creative, you were an artist. So you, you could draw really well, you could paint, maybe you could sculpt, maybe you were a, a dancer, maybe you were an actor, and all of those things made you creative. And even as an adult in the teacher world, um, you were created if your bulletin board was just right, or if your classroom was decorated just so. Um, and I, I just didn't feel like that captured the true definition of what creativity was. So I went to... Um, the source where we should all go when we need a definition of a good word, I looked up the definition of creativity in the dictionary. And it was not this artsy uh, definition that I, that I got. Creativity is the ability to transcend traditional ideas and to create meaningful new ideas. And, and I could see why that was attached to art because an artist takes a blank canvas and transforms it into something meaningful and new with their skill. Um, a dancer does that with their body. They take the body that we live in every single day and they twist and turn and contort to tell a story. So that I understand why the connection to the arts um, was creativity 
but I, I just felt like in the education world, I needed to broaden my horizons of what creativity meant and what it, what it, what I boiled down to um, was what Tanner Christensen, he's a, an amazing um, creative guru. When you call me a creative guru, if you guys want to find a creative guru, go find Tanner Christensen's blog, uh, creativesomething.net, um, and look him up. He's not a teacher. He's not an educator. He worked for Facebook for a while. Um, I think he works for Lyft now. Um, but his what he says about creativity is that it's not a, just a change in your thinking, but a change in the way that you think about thinking. And Diane, you've participated in a, um, a learning experience with me um, when I was in Kansas uh, about a ruler where I gave everybody in the room a ruler and said, hey, what can you do with this ruler? And everybody says, oh, it's, it's for measurement and it's for drawing a straight line. And that shows you how conformed to uh, the world it, the ruler had become. It had two purposes, a measurement and a straight line. But when I challenged them to rethink their thinking about a ruler, I would get, oh, this could be a, a miniature uh, peg leg for a, a, little, a little miniature pirate. Um, it could be a bridge for ants as they escape the mighty flood off their island. Or, you know, there are all these different things because you have to rethink your thinking um, in order to be creative. And, and I love bringing that into the learning um, of my classroom. I specifically, in the work that I do now, training teachers across the country, I love to bring that into their thinking about the lesson plans, the traditional ideas around their classrooms um, that they've always done because they see other people doing it. Um, everything from field trips to uh, the way we dismiss our kids to the way we um, discipline or uh, modify behavior, all of those things need a creative dose. And so that's what it looks like in the classroom for me, rethinking that the way we think about everything in education. You have a you have a few sayings that really speak out to not just me as a teacher, but to the teaching profession. And the one that stands out the most is the love first, teach second. Yes. Can you explain where that inspiration came from? Well, it, it came from, honestly, my years of working with students. I taught first through third grade for uh, over a span of 13 years. But I saw that my students needed more than anything was, to, was for someone to love them and advocate for them uh, uh, for all of their needs, not just their math um, ability, their reading ability, but their ability just to be, uh, just to have a bad day sometimes. Uh, sometimes they needed uh, somebody to advocate for their tears, somebody to advocate for their anger. Um, I, I remember so many students that I had, um, they came to school with so many heavy issues, some that I could relate to, some that some of you may uh, relate to out there listening, um, uh, dealing with abuse, parents who were on drugs, um, they were um, living in poverty, and, and those things, they, they just need to be addressed in the classroom first before I can start teaching you how to, to add or subtract, um, and I've got to make, I had to make my classroom very comfortable, very loving, very safe. Um, I worked really hard on making a, um, just a strong classroom community. Um, I ran across a video on Facebook yesterday of, that was made during my classroom tenure um, of these, these kids, these boys that made a little rap video. And, it, you know, I'll tell you, it wasn't the greatest rap video that you've ever seen, but they were in a safe space where they felt like they could just do whatever they wanted to to express themselves creatively. Um, and it was just the cutest little video. I just beamed with pride as I watched it. Um, it was from about six years ago. 
I think those kids are now in eighth grade, but um, it, it showed me uh, what the, my classroom looked like uh, from their perspective and, and just a fresh glance of, uh, it was a safe space, a safe space for them. Um, and honestly, I think it was because I, I, re, I had to rethink my thinking about teaching. Um, when we uh, were in our, when I was in my um, teacher ed program, um, I, do, I didn't have one class that talked about the social emotional learning of early childhood. I had classes about how to teach them to read, how to teach them math, how to teach them science. Um, I did have a human growth and development class, but that was more a, like a, a timeline of when they're this age, they should be doing this. When they're this age, they should be doing that. And even then I had to rethink my thinking, you know, cause reading is one of those things that is very developmental. Um, some kids learn quickly how to read and others take a little bit more time. It's cause their brain is developing in a different way. Um, my sister and I, we kind of joke with each other. Um, when I started walking, um, I was nine months old. My sister, she did not start walking till she was a year and a half. Uh, but guess what? We're both adults right now and we walk just fine. Um, because it was developmental and reading is one of those things that's developmental and you have to take a little more creative approach. You can't have this hard, fast, uh, line of development. Um, and, and so the whole love first teach second came about in my mind is because I wanted to love my students where they were, um, meet them where they were and help them, uh, help their emotional needs, uh, figure out that before I could, um, meet their academic needs. You are trying to develop the capacity for teachers to be more creative so that they can help students be more creative. But a lot of those teachers are teaching in a system that stresses standardization, which is the exact opposite. How do we develop creativity in teachers in this kind of system? Well, I, I, that's a fantastic question. I get that question a lot. And I will tell you, almost every school I've been in, there's at least one teacher who's brave enough to say it. I think the rest of them are thinking it. Uh, what does this have to do with my standards? Um, if, in South Carolina, where I do most of my work, we have something called the profile of the South Carolina graduate. And one of the blocks of that profile is, you know, rigorous academic standards. But just to the um, right of that on our document, if you our, our profile document, um, it's, it says that we are also responsible for creativity, collaboration, critical thinking, um, communication. And so I, I try to point out to them, first of all, that those things are equal. But like you said, they always say, well, the standardization, the test, the test. Um, and so what I do is then I take the standards that we're required to teach and show them how to infuse that creative thinking into it. For example, um, referencing my ruler um, learning experience that I mentioned earlier, I will say, I will, after they do the ruler experience as a class, I will tell them to take that to their students and ask their students to come up with ways that ancient Egyptians could have used that ruler if they had it during that time period. What could a colonial America have done with that ruler? And so you take that ruler and drop it into where the standard is so that they get that creative thinking going. And then the teacher starts saying, oh, yeah, we get it. We make the connection. Um, I use, I like to use a lot of non-traditional art media for um, teachers of regular ed because a lot of times those teachers don't have the traditional training of an art teacher. They don't feel like they're art minded. 
a lot of times. So if you use a non-traditional idea or a media like um, aluminum foil, tape, sticky notes, and straws, um, the, the playing field is level a little bit because they don't feel like, oh, they have to be an expert in those things. And I will ask the um, students to create tape art images on the wall that represent their thinking about a certain topic in, in history or uh, create a, an image that shows what they know about a biome that they've been studying. And so it brings that creative thinking into it and it still covers those standards that they need to for the standardization. Now, I, I'm sure y'all have covered on your podcast or if you haven't already, the, the, what testing is doing to creativity, it's definitely um, nullifying it. But I think as businesses, move forward in the world and they want those more creative thinkers businesses are going to drive the pendulum to swing back the other way that we're going to um, see a shift in that standardized testing i hope so um, a couple of years ago i served on a um, a, a task force with uh, governor nikki haley here in south carolina to rethink education here in the state and she told us on that on that uh, task force that she visited germany and she said that the the executives were asking her about um, the education system here in South Carolina. And she rattled off test scores and, and things of that nature. And he said, no, we don't, we don't really care about the test scores. We want to know, um, are they able to think? Are they able to problem solve? Are they able to um, generate creative ideas to uh, uh, problems that we have, solutions to the problems that we have? And, and she said to us on that task force, I had to look at those executives and say, I don't know. And that was a very powerful moment. And, and that was several years ago. Um, I think that we've seen um, some changes here in South Carolina, not, not um, in the testing so much, but um, the, the mindset of the teachers. And I think it's going to take uh, administrators um, and legislators coming together to see um, the need for that creativity so it will positively, positively affect the business community. And it's just good for learning. It's just what good learning is. I love to see teachers like you guys create podcasts to get this message out there into the world so that other people can, can hear how teachers, teachers know this to be right. We know teaching creatively is the best thing. We know that um, allowing kids time to explore and to um, learn without constraints, without the standardization is best for them. And podcasts give that um, give that voice to those teachers. So I'm, I'm encouraged that you guys are talking about this topic. I want to take just a second to tell you about our sponsor, GoToScience. GoToScience is a pre-K through second grade science program that allows kids to learn all areas of the curriculum through inquiry. Students go on adventures with Beth and Curtis all around the world using the scientific method and inquiry to solve real problems and get excited about learning. Every month, we give away a free GoToScience subscription to one lucky listener. To be our winner this month, simply share the Education for a Better World podcast website with your followers on either Facebook or Twitter. Our website is ed4betterworld.com. I also want to remind you that Diane and I are available to work with the teachers in your school district or to keynote your conference. To send us an inquiry, simply visit our podcast website. Now let's get back to the show. You worked in the primary classes, and what are some creative things your students did that still just make you smile when you think about them? 
Well, I'll tell you, one of my favorite things that we ever did was um, we, we did this big study on the bird, the cassowary. I don't know if y'all know what a cassowary is. You should definitely look it up. Anybody listening should Google this, this bird. It's a, the craziest looking bird that you've ever seen from Australia. It looks like a cross between an ostrich, uh, a dinosaur, and a turkey. So I hope you got a good visual there. An ostrich, a dinosaur, and a turkey. Um, it, can, it can disembowel a person with one swipe because of its talons on its, its feet. Um, it's, it's just a, a crazy looking bird. And we actually started out reading about this in a Scholastic News um, magazine um, in my second grade class. And we, when we first started, we were just reading it for a nonfiction text that we needed that week. But the kids got so intrigued by this bird. They're like, Mr. Debrie, we want to know more about this bird. We got to learn more about it. So, so we did a little Google search and we found some videos of the um, cassowary. Um, they were just amazed at this thing. Um, and then as we started learning more about it, the kids learned that it was becoming endangered because of deforestation. And the, the kids were like, oh my gosh, we got to help make people aware of, of this, this, what's going on with this bird. We don't want to lose this bird. It's fantastic. And then we did some more research and we found out that ironically um, deforestation was killing off the bird, but the cassowary also helped with um, regrowth of trees because they, they had seeds in their, their poop. <laughs> and you know, anytime you talk about that with kids, they just go nuts. And that was just one of those things. So next thing I know, the kids were making little videos, they were making posters. Um, they were wanting to make public service announcements about this bird and share it with everybody. It was just a fantastic thing. And it was all student led. And it was not in the little squares on my lesson plan book. That was the beauty of it. I, I listed uh, in my lesson plan book, study nonfiction text, you know, uh, make connections, text to self, text to world, whatever. And the kids, I, I just stepped back and let them take the lead. And the creative thinking that came out of that, they, they created little pieces of artwork about the cassowary. I mean, it was just fantastic. Uh, it sticks out. And that was uh, seven years ago, I think, when, when that happened. So it was just a, a really cool time to watch that unfold. Um, and it was, it was beautiful. Another thing that we did was um, when we studied butterflies, I was trying to think of a creative way of assessing what they knew about butterflies. I didn't want to just do a pencil paper test. And so I rolled out a big, probably 10-foot piece of bulletin board paper. And I charged them with creating a class mural that told me everything I need to know about butterflies. Um, and it had to have illustrations. It had to have all the stuff that they'd learned. And I created a rubric and was watching each kid as they worked. Uh, they worked on that thing for two days. And it made the most fantastic mural of markers um, and words. And I ended up hanging, them all, hanging it up on the bulletin board out in the hall. It wasn't a fancy bulletin board. It was, but it was probably my most proud bulletin board I'd ever done uh, because of what kids, how kids just creatively uh, threw it up there it was, and, and made it happen. And it was full of everything that they needed to know according to those standards about insects and butterflies. So it was really cool. Yeah, that kind of bulletin board that comes authentically from students is so much more powerful than something you buy on Teachers Pay Teachers or yeah. find on Pinterest, right? <laughs> yeah, know? absolutely. Like, um, and it was so cool. I remember my principal, she sent, out, she sent out an email and said, everybody go look at this. And, you know, there were a couple of teachers who probably didn't like that board because it you know, it didn't have a cute little border up. Um, it, I, I, don't, I don't even think that I had fabric background on the behind it. I think <laughs> I just slapped it up there. Uh, but it was, it was gorgeous. I, I think it was one of my most favorite things I had ever um, 
done uh, for, for a bulletin board. It was fantastic. And I know that the cassowary uh, had an imprint on you also because last year when you Skyped in with my class to play <laughs> mystery Skype, um, you know, there's not too many, you know, my kids are pretty good at animal classification, but, uh, but you were one of the few, one of the few people to beat them last year at mystery animal Skype. Oh, I, I, I didn't know I held that honor. So that's pretty, I'm excited about that. I, I hope that people listening to the podcast will go and, Take a look at the cassowary. Look, uh, educate themselves a little bit on this fascinating bird. Let me tell you all this cool story. You'll love this. So um, I grew up here in South Carolina, and there is a carousel that was at Myrtle Beach. Um, and it was at a place called the Pavilion. And when you were little, when I was little, everybody went there, and they rode that carousel, and they have a picture of, of them riding it. Um, I actually have a picture of when I was a little kid riding a cassowary on that carousel there was a cassowary on the carousel so i'm going to ask you about a different animal though okay um, okay so anyone that follows you on social media knows that you have some kind of weird thing going on with squirrels so why do you, <laughs> why do you hate squirrels so much Jed? <laughs> oh that's such a good question i love that you asked that okay so this is a great story i was asked to be a keynote speaker for an event in fishers indiana it's a town just north east of Indianapolis and uh, they wanted me to do a keynote about creativity and I was like well um, let's just call it uh, you know creativity you know they wanted a title they wanted a catchy title and I didn't have a catchy title but I had a really good keynote about creativity um, and they said well we want a really catchy title so I was like okay well what about create creativity courage and change and they were like, we like that. And then I started thinking about it. And I was like, I don't like that. That's just not, I just want something. That's not me. Creativity, courage, and change sounds a little bit too formal. And I said, add this. Add this to the title. Creativity, courage, and change. And the real reason I hate squirrels. And the lady was like, there you go. There you go. Her name's Susan Drum. And she was like, oh, I like that title. Let's go with that. And I hung up the phone with her. And I looked at my best friend. And I was like, I don't know what I just committed to. I came up with a title of a keynote and I don't even know what it means. But then I started thinking about squirrels and um, things about squirrels that I didn't like. Um, things like they, um, they disconnect your power, you know, here in South Carolina you, and up there, Mike, where you live, I know you live in, uh, in a very wooded area. A squirrel gets in your transformer and boom, yep. your power goes out, right? Yep, no doubt. So they, they can disconnect your power. They, they steal. There's a multi-million dollar industry to keep uh, squirrels from stealing your bird seed. I feel sorry for the little squirrels there because we do feed the birds, but we don't feed the squirrels. But there's a, it's because they steal. They will infest your house. I'm a runner, and when I'm running, they just annoy me to death um, because they, I'm afraid of them, really, if you want to know the truth. So I, what I did is I took all those, those things about squirrels that bothered me, and I realized that those same things are what bad teachers are doing to squash creativity and change in our schools. Um, they're stealing ideas and not giving credit. They're, they're disconnecting us, uh, the great teachers, from the power of what we're doing. They're, they're, they're infesting our, our profession, and we need, to get, we need to get rid of that mindset. If we want true change, if we want true change, we've got to have creativity and courage to run those squirrels out of town. And that's what my keynote was developed. Um, I even, uh, Diane, you can confess, you have seen me do that keynote dressed as a squirrel. And you look uh, exceptional in it. <laughs> I do dress as, I appreciate that. I, I will tell you, this is a great, this is funny. 
I just got a backup squirrel costume today in the mail because I'm doing that keynote um, this weekend, actually. And I was worried that the tail of the squirrel costume might have a hole in it and it's inflatable. So I ordered a backup one just in case. So I can guarantee you, Jed, that out of all of the guests we've had in this podcast, <laughs> you are the only one with a backup squirrel costume. <laughs> That's fantastic. I will own that. Um, and I'll be proud of that. When he dresses in this costume, I have to tell you the entire room grins from ear to ear because it makes your heart just shine a little bit brighter knowing that somebody loves kids so much that they would dress as a squirrel. Yeah. Sure. I, yeah. I appreciate that. It's actually really a good um, weight loss program to dress as a squirrel and give a keynote because when you are done, you have lost probably 10 pounds of water weight. So um, it's pretty hot inside the squirrel suit. It's polyester. The, the head of the costume, um, you actually have to put um, like plastic bags, grocery store bags in the head of it to stuff it, um, to give it the shape. And that's quite a, a nice insulator. So your head is just roasting when you take that thing off. So uh, that's just free information. Jed, for the teachers that are listening that are uh, wanting to be more creative in their classroom, but um, are struggling to really look at access points, what are some easy steps that they can take to start making some small changes? The, the first thing that I tell every teacher to do is look at the lesson, the unit that they despise the most. We all have it. We all have a unit that we just don't like to teach. Look at that unit. I will tell you, uh, when I was in uh, the classroom, I got really nervous uh, every time it was time to teach magnets. I don't know why I got nervous about magnets. Um, it's a real fun unit to teach, but I got really nervous about it. And there were parts of it that I didn't like. So I, I started studying how to make my units more engaging. Um, I started learning more about magnets and, and learning all of these creative things I could do with magnets beyond just like going on a magnet hunt around a magnetic hunt around the school. You know, um, I remember this one idea I found where kids could, um, make a little roadmap and you put a little car on top of their little roadmap and you put a magnet underneath and you could drive the little car around the piece of paper on the map. It was the coolest thing. Um, so I tell teachers to look for the unit that they don't like and just try to add a little bit of fun, um, a little bit of excitement, a little bit of hands-on engagement. Don't, don't try to change your whole classroom overnight. That's my next thing. Don't, don't try to just change everything. The unfortunate part of our higher ed programs is that a lot of them aren't training us to be creative thinkers. They're training us to be more standard standardized. They're training us to look at the scope and sequence and look at the curriculum guide and look at the step-by-step -step instructions in the textbook. And, and we do those things and we don't deviate from them. And, and our programs are teaching us to be that way. So I can't fault the teacher for doing everything, you know, in a non-creative way because it's a shift in a mindset. It's a huge shift in a mindset. So don't, don't try to change it all overnight. Um, you know, look for the things that are boring to you. If you don't like it, guess what? Your kids probably don't like it either. Uh, your students, if they're looking at you like they are just ready to um, pass out from, from boredom, then it, they, they don't like it either. So look for those little nooks and crannies. And, and don't be afraid to try something new. Just don't be afraid to try it because that can unleash your inner creativity in a way that, that you didn't even know. Um, I have this little sign that I made. It's in the shape of a stop sign. And on it, it says experimental teaching in progress. And I, I send that to teachers. I tell them, print it, cut it out, laminate it, stick it on your door. Every time you're trying something new that you think is creative 
And what's going to happen? Number one, that sign's going to, it's going to free you up a little bit. It's going to make you feel like, oh, I, well, I'm experimenting. I'm a scientist. If I mess up, it's okay. I can find out what to do. Another thing it's going to do is going to tell the teachers up and down your hall that, hey, that teacher's trying something new. They're in there uh, really creating something um, better than what they've done all this time. Another thing it'll do, it'll catch your administrator's eye. They're going to stop in and be like, hey, what's going on in here? Uh, and then hopefully um, you're going to be in a, a building that administrator is going to encourage that. Um, and the more that that encouragement comes, the more that creativity is going to open up. You know, Maya Angelou says that, that the more creativity you use, the more you have, you know, you can't use it up. Uh, so you got to have that first step into um, creativity by saying, Hey, I'm going to do some experimental teaching. Um, and there's one, one thing I want to share, Mike, if I got just a minute, um, uh, reading the book Herding Tigers by um, Todd Henry. The subtitle is uh, Be the Leader That Creative People Need. Man, I, I read a quote yesterday in this book, and it just shook me so to my core. And I, I need to say it out loud you know, on the most platforms I can so that administrators and leaders of teachers can hear this. He says, when you try to control bright, talented, creative people, they will eventually seek better horizons because they'll get tired of running into your overly constructive ceiling. I hope, I hope that the people who make the standardized tests and the people who um, keep teachers from being creative in their teaching and their delivery of the, of the um, learning, I hope they'll hear that quote because what's going to happen is that we're going to drive away these creative, talented uh, teachers if we don't remove that constrictive ceiling. If you don't know Todd Henry, um, he's on, um, you can look him up at Accidental Creative. Another blog that I read a lot to help me um, with creativity is called The Unmistakable Creative. Those are, are great um, additions to Tanner Christensen's that I mentioned earlier, uh, Creative Something.net. Another one of your passions is children's literature. Um, I just love this topic. Um, immediately, hands down, um, every teacher needs as many Peter Reynolds books as you can get your hands on in your classroom. Uh, my favorite three um, are in his creative, creative trilogy, The Dot, Ish, and Sky Color. Um, those three just inspire me on so many levels to, to bring more creativity um, into my classroom, into my thinking. Um, I love uh, Peter Reynolds in The Dot when he says, just make a mark and see where it takes you. That's what creativity is. It's not being afraid to make that mark um, and just see what happens. I do a, um, a learning experience where teachers make a dot and then we pass that dot um, around the room. And every time somebody gets that dot, they add something to it. And after, we, after we've passed it about 10 times, we give it back to the original dot maker. And then the room explodes with excitement and wonder and, and laughs and giggles because they saw how this tiny little speck of a dot turned into this unique once in a lifetime piece of art. And I, I tell them, I said, y'all, this piece of art was born today because of you. This piece of art never existed in all of humanity. And it's born today because you were willing to make a mark. And then I tie that back into their curriculum. How much could happen in our curriculum, in our lesson plan, in our schools, if we just weren't afraid to make a mark and see what happens. So, so Peter Reynolds is my, I look up to him so much because he inspires so much creativity in his work. And so those are the definite three. 
uh, an honorable mention for me. I love this book. It's called Perfect Square by a man named Michael Hall. Um, it's about a square, um, just a perfect square. Um, and every day something happens to the square. He's torn. He's ripped. He's shredded. Um, he holes are punched in him. And every day, regardless of what happens to him, he makes himself into something beautiful. And at the end of this book, he's got this wonderful story that all of his trials helped turn him into something really beautiful. And the book is just fantastic for teachers to use. It's a great um, anti-bullying book. It's great to uh, develop thinking, a creative thinking, because you, you can give each student a square and have them rip it, destroy it, and um, twist it and turn it and make it into things, uh, make it into something beautiful. Um, another one, if I can say this one, and today actually is National Scribble Day. by Di uh, There's a book called I'm Not Just a Scribble by Diane Alber. And all of her books are fantastic to infuse creativity in your classroom. Look her up, Diane Alber, A-L-B-E-R. Uh, she's a relatively new author, um, but I think you should, you, all of the listeners would love her books. Uh, she's got a really cute one called um, Snippets. It's about all the little scrap pieces of paper that are left over after an art project and how oftentimes they're discarded, but those can be used to create some beautiful work. And it's just a fantastic little book. And, and uh, before I go down a rabbit hole and just keep talking about books, I'm going to cut myself off, Diane. You'll just have to invite me back to hear more about my children's books. Sounds good. All right, Mike, one last question. Our last question, and we asked this to all of our uh, all of our guests in the podcast, and we're going to ask you to do it in only one or two sentences. Okay. If you could change education in some way to make the world a better place, what would you do? I would put more emphasis on the heart of the student instead of the score of the student.
Thank you for joining us today. Please visit our website at edforbetterworld.com. That's ed, E-D, the number four, betterworld.com for show notes and to learn more about inviting Mike and I to lead a workshop for your teachers. And don't forget to check the other podcast-related goodies. We want to thank Jed Dearyberry for being a guest on today's show. Credit for music on the show goes to Midair Machine. Join us next week as we talk with 2018 Louisiana State Teacher of the Year, Kimberly Eckert, about how we can recruit more teachers into the profession. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation and that it gave you some new ideas and perspectives. Through education and action, we can create a better world. Until we're together again, continue to dream big. And affect positive change.